Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched my attention this year to major league games, but players develop at that level as well until they no longer do. If you have any questions about Cubs player development, the pipeline, fire away, or anything else along those lines, fire away on the contest line at Tim815 on Twitter or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Who's Next and Swinging 3-0, and ask me questions if I was confusing. We spend our time where it is valued, and I don't wish to waste yours. I just now sent in an article on who I would add to the Cubs player pool. I talked about that a couple days ago. What I want to talk about today is, well, in addition to swinging 3-0, who you might expect as far as names from the current player pool that might chip in, particularly along the lines of pitching, because most of the 60-person player pool is pitching. The current setup is somewhat of a, who knows what the heck is going on. Uh, Almost by design, it seems. Nobody knows who's in anybody's 60-person player pool. If you really, really know your team, perhaps, maybe, you have a source that you can find that lists the people in your team's 60-person player pool. Maybe you can find that. Maybe you can find that. Today, I patched together something which I consider accurate. I might be off a little tiny bit, but it's a list of about 25 names of players who are not on the 25-man roster, but are at the 60-person player pool. It's not a complete listing of all the players on the 40-man roster. There are two players that the Cubs currently have on their 40-man roster, Zach Short and Manuel Rodriguez. They're on the 40-man roster, but they're not at the 60-person player pool. Strange. Um, probably the Cubs figure that Rodriguez suffered a forearm strain in spring training and they wanted him to get in work this year, but the way things ended up playing out, they're probably not going to call him up this year. So there's no point in sending him off to the 60 man player pool. Zach Short wasn't injured in spring training, but similarly, they figured, I, I don't know, he should, he should be there. He should be there, but when you have only a limited number of spots, which Major League Baseball considered very essential to tightly limit how many players can practice at the alternate player pool, you don't have... Um, You don't have enough spots for everyone. Now, when I run through the list, which I'm going to in a second here, 
Remember that not all of these players are necessarily at the alternate training site in South Bend. For instance, Jose Lobaton, a catcher, has been on the list for about four weeks, but he probably hasn't been in South Bend ever. He probably hasn't been in South Bend ever. Lobaton's job is to be on the taxi squad, which is guarded with even more secrets than um, CIA assignments to foreign cities. If you don't absolutely have to know who's on the taxi squad, you're not going to find out. Once I dropped it to Taylor McGregor, hey, I'd kind of like to know who's on the taxi squad. Well, I didn't hear it, and it's kind of kind of a tightly guarded secret because it's very essential for people to not know what the heck is going on. So I'm going to run through a list of, list of some players, and some of these guys are... In, most of these guys are in South Bend practicing, however that ends up working. And the people from South Bend who want to interview the players, call and talk to them and ask them what's going on, they're not allowed to. So it, it, it's, um, it's almost, uh, it's ridiculous. But here are the list of players that the Cubs have in, the, the, in their alternate training site, seeing as I just sent an article to Al, and he gave me the thumbs up sign saying he received it. So he's going to read it, and it'll probably print today. Here's the list of the players on the 60-man player pool that aren't on the 40 on the 25-man roster, 28-man roster, 26-man, whatever you know what I mean. 28. Edward Alzale. And I will interrupt myself right away. Very possibly, Elzele will be the starter on Wednesday in the doubleheader, which means he would get called up and then sent back down. Kind of like which, what happened with Tyson Miller yesterday. Edward Elzele, Rex Brothers, Dylan Maples, Justin Steele, Corey Abbott, Cody Allen, Burl Carraway, Matt Darmody, Juan Gomez, Kelvin Herrera, Danny Holson, Braylon Marquez, Trevor McGill, Dakota Mekas, Jack Pedersen, Michael Rucker, Keegan Thompson, Miguel Amaya. Those are the pitchers. Catchers are Miguel Amaya. Amaya is on the 40-man roster. P.J. Higgins and Jose Lobaton. Neither of those two are, though they are catchers. And infielders, Christopher Morell, Hernan Perez, and outfielders, Brennan Davis, Ryan Lemaire, and Ian Miller. So, by the basic looks of it, there are 17 or 18 pitchers at the alternate training site, and 8 hitters. Since teams have players on the taxi squad, not all of those players are there, I would imagine, for instance... Hernan Perez probably is not in South Bend. He's probably not slumming it in um, the Mishawaka area. No offense to anybody in South Bend. I love it there. I love it there. It's just a matter of the alternate training site is not the Ritz of uh, Chicago. And 
I, I would imagine Lobaton is with the parent club. I would imagine Hernan Perez is with the parent club. And probably maybe Ian Miller. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Perhaps Miller is down getting work in South Bend. Maybe not. But um, also included on the list, because I have no idea where to put him, Jarrell Cotton, who was recently designated for assignment. So what the Cubs have on their 60-man player pool is 58 players plus Jarrell Cotton. So if they decided they could add two more additional players to their 60-man player pool, and I am going to take my break early. I can't accurately emphasize enough how much I appreciate you guys listening to the podcasts. Woke up today, flipped it on, and oh, cool, more people listened. Um, If you want to expand the reach of the podcast, share the... Share an episode that you kind of liked with a friend. Instant message them something. And or, or, and if you really, really, really enjoy the podcast, consider sponsorships. Uh, podcast, um, Anchor allows sponsorships, which help you more directly help the podcast. While either of those would be wonderful, that you continue to listen is beyond belief. Before I get back to the 60-player pool, last night something happened probably after you went to bed. And by the time I woke up this morning, it was still a firestorm. Last night, San Diego was playing... Who the heck were they playing? In this instance, it really doesn't matter who they were playing. San Diego was up 6 to nothing, 7 to nothing, something like that. And the bases were loaded, and Fernando Tatis Jr. was at the plate. The count was 3-0. He was given the red light. Do not swing at this pitch. Do not swing at this pitch. Well, he missed the sign, and he swung at the pitch. And he hit a grand slam, which you would think is a good thing, right? You would think hitting a grand slam would be a good thing. Well, the team didn't want him to swing because that, in baseball terms, can sometimes be considered rubbing it in. Hitting a home run on a 3-0 and count is kind of considered bad form. In baseball, historically, if it's a 3-0 and count, the hitter dials it back, takes the pitch, the umpire, if it's even remotely close, calls it a strike, as I do my little fist pump, and that's the way baseball has been for 88 billion years. Why? No. That's the way it's generally been. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's the argument today. Somebody was saying that no coach will ever tell a player to have the red light on 3 It's like, well, apparently somebody at the major league level did, otherwise we're not having this discussion. 
why is it that what's Tatis uh six three two thirty you know he's he's built he's a dude uh why if somebody's gonna toss him something you know eighty seven and straight across the heart of the plate, why don't you have him swing at it um coaches in baseball are usually older. And by older, I don't necessarily mean 27 or 32. A lot of times, coaches are in their 60s. When you have a coach who's in his 60s right now, his formative baseball years were 1970s, 1980s. That's when he learned the game, learned to love the game, and started to do things that crafted him using the game for a career. So, to make the argument of whether a person should swing 3-0 or should not swing 3-0, you kind of have to go back 40 years to understand why people are in opposition to players swinging 3-0. It used to be back in the day, and I think I've gone down this road before a couple of times, you would have a couple of guys on your squad who could go yard, and a whole bunch of guys who really couldn't. Let's take the... 1969 Chicago Cubs. Catcher, you have Randy Hundley. First base, you have Ernie Banks. Glenn Becker, Don Kessinger, Ron Sano across the infield. Billy Williams in left. Don Young, I guess, in center. And Jimmy Hickman in right. Some of the players had good power. Some of them had occasional power. And some of them had no power whatsoever. Doesn't make them bad players. It doesn't. It, it, the um, again, it, if a player can occasionally hit a home run, but you didn't have dudes like Fernando Tatis Jr., Billy Williams, Ernie Banks. Ron Santo, all made the Hall of Fame. All were very good players. None of them were built even remotely like Fernando Tatis Jr. Players then would hit home runs. They'd have good home run seasons. But you didn't have dudes that were that ripped. Coaches growing up in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, didn't have a league where, for instance, if you're listing the top 20, let's just imagine you're listing the 30 third basemen in the league. From 1 to 30, as far as being really good. Current Major League list, 
1 to 30 of who's the best third baseman of those 30 to who's the worst third baseman. For the Cubs on the list, I would imagine would be Chris Bryant. He's kind of the third baseman, though sometimes they stick him out in left field to get David Bodie into the game. So Chris Bryant would be on the list. Now, I don't know where you'd put Bryant on the list of 1 to 30. You're certainly welcome to hit me up on Twitter with where you would consider Bryant. But there's a whole lot of really good third basemen now. I don't know if Tatis is being considered a third baseman or maybe they've decided to move him to first base or outfield or somebody considers him first base or outfield or whatever. But when you have Matt Chapman, Anthony Rendon, I'm not even going to go through the entire list. There are a lot of really good third basemen. Why? Because to be a good third baseman, you have to be able to defensively move quickly enough to make two quick jab steps in either direction. You have to have a degree of quickness. You have to have a strong throwing arm. And it kind of helps to be able to hit a bunch. Now, as of right now, if you're somebody who's 25, 30 years old, you'll look at the crop of third baseman and think, that's how it's always been. No. No. These players playing now are freaks of nature. They're huge and they're quick. Both of them. They're huge and they're quick. That hasn't always been the case. Back in the you know, 70s, you had Greg Nettles was the stud. Greg Nettles is like 5'11". And he managed to have power because he had a fairly uh, contemporary swing. I'll, I'll phrase it that way. But he wasn't a big hulking dude. All the guys now, if you're thinking, paint me a third baseman, you're thinking, get me a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", huge, can easily score from first on a routine double, and can make the throw from two or three steps into the foul into foul territory at the third baseline to the first baseman, nice and clean. That hasn't always happened. Third baseman used to be, you know, the Cubs had a long time where they had nothing at third base. It was just garbage. Year after year it was garbage, and it didn't help the team any. So uh, now if the Cubs were required to start planning for the future without Chris Bryant, it would be important to have someone to fill in, take the spot. And David Bodie could be part of that. But you're you're familiar with this podcast. You know that it's not who are the names of the guys that are on the team right now and they're going to stay around forever and ever and ever. Amen. It's more a matter of who's coming up, who's going to replace them. Well, I was running through that list a couple minutes ago. I, you know, I ran through, what, 25 names? These are the list of the infielders on that list. Here is the entire list of the infielders on that list. Christopher Morel, Hernan Perez. End of list. Those are the only two dudes the Cubs have that are at the alternate training site that are infielders. 
That's it. That's all. Hernan Perez is a very versatile type of guy. He can play pretty much anywhere on the field to include pitcher. He'd probably even catch if you if he had to. Uh, I would, but he's not a big hulking dude. He's more one of these guys who can play a little bit of here, a little bit of there, play a little shortstop, play a little second base, stick him at first base. He won't embarrass you. Put him in the outfield. He can make plays there. Uh, Hernan Perez is one of these versatile types that historically you would see at third base. Now, if you have a third baseman who's 5'10", 160, and ripped somewhat less than Fernando Tatis Jr., if the count gets to be 3-0, and give him the take sign, unless he's a really good hitter, because the goal is get him to first base. And back in the day, before people had computers that, uh, you know, ran to the seventh function automatically and you could, oh, gee, I think I'm going to look up the OPS of uh, against this team uh, because I actually have the time and I want to do it. That didn't used to be how things were. When you had players, when the people who are now coaches were players, that information wasn't available. And there is a huge bit of, I'm going to use warfare, possibly hostility would be a better term, but people like things the way they were when they grew up. That's how it works. People generally don't like change a whole lot. Some people do, but a lot of people don't. And the crotchety coach who, I've been in this league 35 years and that, blah, 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 blah. that's the mindset. That's the mindset for a lot of people. That is why pitchers were burned through so often. The Cubs had, oh, geez, what was, um, I might have to do one. I, I, I Actually, I think I'm going to do one on him later. Yeah, hold, hold that thought. He, 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 makes, he makes perfect sense for an entire podcast along those lines. But when you, have a play, when you have a mindset that this is the way we did it 10 years ago, so I'm going to keep doing it that way until I'm proven I'm wrong. If, if the numbers and... Some coaches just don't like having players swing 3-0. and Now, for me, if a player shows they're good at hitting 3-0, and I'm completely good with it, totally good with it. On the other hand, for instance, I looked it up last night because I there's one particular player in mind, and I was thinking, you know, I don't remember him having a whole lot of success swinging 3-0, and and I've heard him do it a couple of times, and he just hasn't seemed to have had a whole lot of success. I looked up Chris Bryant, and um, he's one for seven, three and zero counts in his career. You would think he'd be better than that, but if a player is actually going to only be successful one time out of seven, swinging three and zero, 
I would probably lean toward dialing him back on 3-0 and because for whatever reason, he might be getting a bit jumpy and swinging at pitches he shouldn't. Um, I don't know, maybe some of them are line drive outs, but it seemed to me when I've heard uh, they're, they're, they've tended toward being rather routine outs. Now, I didn't check anybody else on the team, but if a guy's hitting 380, swinging 3-0, I think I looked up Mike Trout and he's hitting like 400, 3-0. Yeah, he can swing. He can he can go ahead and do it. So if, if a guy is hitting well, the coach who, Chris Woodward, was the manager who flashed the red light sign to Fernando Tatis Jr. I looked up Chris Woodward's numbers on BB Ref overnight. One time he was given the green light. Well, maybe he got maybe he was given a red light, but he swung through it like Tatis did. But uh, in his career, he drew 33 walks on a 3 0 count and went one for one, knocked a double. So that's how Chris Woodward did, but he's deciding that he wants to tell Fernando Tatis, yes, I went one for one with the bases loaded, but I want you to not swing with the bases loaded. This story is not over yet. Okay, who's next when the Cubs need a call-up from the minor leagues? from the 16th player pool. Obviously, Justin Steele has gotten a call-up. He didn't get to pitch, but he is among... The, the, the way I set my list up, the players who are on the 40-man, li- 40-man roster have asterisks. Players not on the 40-man roster do not have asterisks. So, Edber Elzelay... Rex Brothers, Dylan Maples, Justin Steele, and technically Tyson Miller have asterisks. Miller went back overnight. He might have gone back to South Bend, or he might just still be hanging around Chicago. I don't know how. I don't know how tight they're doing that uh, taxi squad. Nobody, nobody knows that stuff. That's the kind of stuff I want to know, but nobody's telling. Nobody's choking out the information. So if Alzale is healthy after getting a line drive off his forearm a couple of days ago, if Alzale is good to go on Wednesday, he will start one of the two games in the doubleheader. Rex Brothers, Dylan Maples, Justin Steele, I doubt it will be any of those three, though it could be Justin Steele. It might be treated as another bullpen game, much as yesterday's second game was treated. We'll have to see. Steele, if he is going to go in a big league game, I doubt he would go any much more than... I doubt he would go over two innings, regardless. I thought the Cubs might try to get three more outs out of Tyson Miller yesterday. They didn't. He gave... Two innings, gave up two runs, one home run, which led to the other. So, uh, probably it will be Al Soleil or possibly Justin Steele on Wednesday if the Cubs need another starter. Theoretically, though I doubt it, since they shortened 
Tyson Miller, he might be able to come back, but I really doubt they'd even mess with that because that's not how things are usually done. But the main idea of even starting this podcast, he says 28 minutes into said podcast, who's next? Corey Abbott tops the list alphabetically, and he's probably pretty darn close um, realistically as well. The reason he's not in consideration for the roster spot on Wednesday is he's not on the 40-man roster. And there's really not a whole lot of interest in adding a player to the 40-man roster if it's not essential. And one day in a 60-game season that may or may not matter, uh, probably not essential enough to promote Abbott and effectively send someone else packing. Probably not. Corey Abbott does deserve a look, and Abbott and Miller are right about at the same range of um, advancedness from a MLB-ready perspective. So Corey Abbott's atop the list. Braylon Marquez is probably up there again, like Abbott. He's not on the 40-man roster. There's probably not a huge rush yet to add him to the 40-man roster. However, at some point, the Cubs might want to add him uh, if, if he's looking good in South Bend because... He's a left-handed pitcher, and he throws a legitimate 99-100, and he might be a very useful piece out of the bullpen down the stretch. If the Cubs are of a mind to do that, they might do it, especially since in the offseason he's going to have to get added to the 40-man roster anyway. Otherwise, the Cubs will lose one of their best prospects, so yeah, he's going to get added. I'll toss in Trevor McGill. McGill pitched a bit in spring training, and fortunately the Cubs were able to hang on to him without taking a 40-man roster spot the rest of the season. I doubt McGill will get called up until uh, added to the 40-man roster until after the season. Jack Patterson is a guy who basically exploded onto the scene in the Cubs' um, pipeline Last year, he was a non-entity in April. In May, he got called up to the South Bend bullpen, started getting some outs. He did well enough to get promoted to Myrtle Beach, and he absolutely zoomed through the Carolina League. I think he had, he allowed one run total, and he pitched there for about a month, month and a half, and Eventually was promoted to AAA and was starting there at the end of the season. So yeah, Jack Patterson is a real option, but he will not be added to the 40-man roster over the offseason. He still has time on his side. Patterson is a legit piece for the future, but I doubt they want to add him this early. Keegan Thompson pitched at Auburn. 
and he's also he's probably about a half a step behind Tyson Miller and Corey Abbott about a half a step part of that he missed a bunch of time last year due to some injuries so part of the reason that there's still uh, I wouldn't say red flags yellow flags for Keegan Thompson nobody's quite sure how healthy he is yet long term so if the Cubs are going to call up someone for Wednesday. Adbert Alzelay would be the goal. Justin Steele, possibly. I don't think they really want to go that way. However, they could bring up Steele or Brothers or Dylan Maples and use Colin Ray as a starting pitcher. They could do any of the various number of different things. And that off day on Thursday will be quite welcomed because uh, everybody will then get a day off, finally. Um, swinging 3-0, I can honestly see both sides. And if you have a dude who's so danged intimidating as Fernando Tatis Jr., and he's proven that he can shrink his zone down and hit the ball, without getting anxious or nervous or whatever with a 3-0 count, let him swing the bat. Let him swing the bat. Uh, if you end up hitting a home run on a guy and it hurts his feelings, well, too bad, so sad. Um, there's the, the, the unwritten rules in baseball are really kind of silly, and the rules that aren't written down are the... the rule the things that aren't allowed are also kind of silly like not letting tim know who's on the taxi squad the things we should know we don't the things we don't know we should wait the things we don't the things we should know we don't and the things that our rules shouldn't be something like that thanks for stopping by pre-arb excellence i'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant. In fact, I have one in mind right now. I'll attempt to have that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And be nice to people.